And I kind of refrain from saying safe space because you never, you can't control who comes into the space. But I think just indicators of being in a comfortable environment are just like relatability, seeing people who look like you, um, people you identify with, and just having a sense of community, whether that's people that you know you see out when you go and party or DJs or a host that you know are going to like have your back if something pops off. Y'all, I'm Kiara and I'm Raya, and welcome, welcome to, to Yes, yes Black, Black Girl. Girl. For those that are new to us, Yes Black Girl is a digital space and interview series created for Black women by Black women. Stay with us for a while, and we hope to leave you feeling inspired. Yes, period. So, on today's episode, we'll be joined by a special guest to talk about safe spaces for Black trans and non-binary folk, and a few other fun things. But first, let's get into this quick catch-up. Yes, Black Girl. So, the catch-up question for today, what's something that isn't a drug but feels like a drug to you? Mm. So, for me, it's a whole lot of things that feel like a drug that are not a drug, but the main two things that I keep battling with are cheese and my damn phone. And it's like Mm -hmm. all of my favorite foods have cheese in them, but I just, I don't know, like, what is the alternative? Like, nothing, like, how do you get rid of cheese? It's really my crack. It is addictive. And then my phone, it's very addictive. And I can do without any other dairy. Like, I cannot do, I don't do dairy milk, of course. I can, like, not eat yogurt and sour cream and all of that. But cheese, it's like cheese just be cheesing. And I don't care what it is. This is it could be goat cheese, gouda, cheddar. Bring it to me. Fireworks be bringing in your brain. Yes. And then my phone, it's like, I just can't let go of my phone. I can put it down and it's right back in my hand. I actually made a TikTok about it not too long ago, but it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like my phone just stays glued to my hand and it's not just social media. It's the actual phone. Like I may not even be doing anything on there. I'm like switching between apps. I'm playing games on it. I'm looking at my contacts. Like it's just in my hand for no reason. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) Have you ever closed out an app and then like reopened it? Yes, <laughs> I do that. Ain't time. nothing on there. I just seen every uh-huh. damn thing, but for some reason, I still want to like go back up in there. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't like it. That's something I need to work on. Same. So for me, it's chocolate chip cookies, mm. freshly baked. You make good and my bed too. Thank you. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my bed because I do so much work at home. My bed is literally right there. Like, if my world is crashing down, I can just hop in my bed and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I feel that. It's too easy. It's so cozy. And it's like, you don't want to fucking leave it. Like, it just, it always feels good to be up in your bed. And it's to the point now mm-hmm. where some days I really do have to, like, make my bed up. Because I will get right back in it. Like, I'll get up and be like, oh, I'm about to go do this. And then I look at my bed and I'm like, let me go back in here real quick. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a trap. And I feel you on the baked goods, the sugar. Like, sugar is definitely also crack. Mm-hmm. 
Have you ever like mm-hmm. not had any juice for like a week and then it's like a monkey is on your back and now you just need something sweet to drink? Yes. And now you're I'm like, oh my God, that is insane. <laughs> like I won't buy uh-huh. any juice, but if I don't have like some kombucha or something, I'm literally like, oh, where's the sugar? Like that's how it mm-hmm. sounds. Like seriously. Um, but yeah, that shit is crazy. So I, I usually replace it with like coconut water. That's when I, like if I'm dehydrated and I want something sweet, mm-hmm. but I know everybody don't like it because people say it tastes like spit or like sweat. Yeah, it's not my favorite. You just got to find the right coconut water. I, well, or maybe it's an acquired taste. I don't know. I but. think if it's coconut water added to something, like if something's added to it, like maybe like a flavored one, it's a little bit easier, but it's definitely not mm-hmm. my favorite. But fruit juice in general like if you're eating some fruit i feel like that's a good way to be hydrated too like melons Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so it's like if i got some apples or some watermelon or something that's a good way but i feel you i think yeah sometimes you are just like thirsty and it's like once you do that you kind of get it off but sugar is crazy like what it does to the mind and what cheese does to the mind needs to be studied it probably has been but i'm not a melon mommy so i don't like i only like watermelon i can't do cantaloupe What's the other melons? Mm-hmm. Are there other melons? Uh, honeydew. I don't like honeydew. that either. Honeydew. I hate when they add that to the fruit salad. <laughs> Gross. How dare you put melons in my fruit salad? And it's not, if it's not watermelon. Because it gets on everything. It's just like the taste. Like my great grandma, she used to stay with some cantaloupe. And I'll be like, girl. My mom loves cantaloupe. Why? It's such an old people ass food. <laughs> but it's young people that be eating it. And I be bothered every time. I can't stand cantaloupe. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, black girl. All right, y'all. Yes, let's get <laughs> let's get into our guest for today, Lord. We'll be talking about this all day. All right. So <laughs> today's guest is best known as the queen of the underground and the most lit on the mic. They have become a staple in Baltimore's underground music scene. And as a DJ, event host, and musician, they expand the culture of queer hip hop while defying the boundaries that have been placed upon them. This beautiful human also happens to be one of my dearest friends. So without further ado, let's give a warm YBG welcome to Chaotic Couture. Hey, Top, top, top introduction, top introduction. Best I've ever had. Yes. I'm so glad. Hi y'all. I want to come in here strong. Like y'all not gonna come in here with this melon slander like that. But okay, I'm gonna let that be. Listen, the melons just don't be hitting for me. Like I like watermelon juice. Does that count? Okay, okay, I'll accept that. The cantaloupe and all that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I tried. No. Okay. <laughs> How are you feeling? Your makeup looks amazing as always. You have the best you eyebrow. Know. You cute. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Yeah. Thank you. I just started getting them done again because, you know, I was going crazy after the pandemic and I was like, I'm going to let them grow. Mm-hmm. And then I had to get them back together. So thank you. Shout out to my eyebrow lady. I don't know her name, but shout out to her. <laughs> you need to learn her name just for that so you can, like, give her those props. You're right. You're right. But a different lady did my eyebrows the last time. So it wouldn't matter. Okay. Well, then. That's the backup lady. Okay. When your other person ain't mm-hmm. there. All right, so I wanted to start off this conversation with asking you, um, as a trans non-binary person, what do you feel are the signifiers that you're in a safe space? So I, not to be the problematic one, I have come to 
kind of grow away from the term safe space. I feel like just because of, at least in Baltimore, we do have a lot of like queer centered events and I host a monthly queer dance party, but because of where we are in Baltimore, it's an arts district. So there's a lot of different people. Um, And I kind of refrain from saying safe space because you never, you can't control who comes into the space. Um, But I think just indicators of being in a comfortable environment are just like relatability, seeing people who look like you, um, people you identify with, and just having a sense of community, whether that's people that you know you see out when you go and party or DJs or a host that you know are going to like have your back if something pops off. So I guess it's like whatever indicates community to individuals, I think is important for them to to feel safe in those moments. I feel that. I definitely feel like a lot of times people associate a safe queer space with just being a queer space. Like it's queer friendly. Mm -hmm. So there's a flag on the door and they're like, oh, this is a queer space. So it's safe. And it's like, nah, it's bullshit happening in the queer community too. So you can't just assume that it's going to be safe. And people's intentions may not look the same as their impact. So you can think you're cultivating a safe space, but you do something to offend somebody and then now they feel unsafe. And there's just a lot of people in general who, because inclusivity and safe space have become like these words that if people feel as a, it's kind of like pride when as soon as June 1st hit, everybody got a rainbow flag, but you know, they still doing like things that affect the queer community. It's like everybody want to be like, oh, yeah, everybody is included, but they're not educating themselves on the the proper steps to make sure that there is like care and safety in those spaces. So it kind of becomes like a thing where people are like, let's just say that we're going to do it. So nobody like has a gripe against it, but they don't really educate themselves to make sure that spaces are safe and protected. Respects. And also going back to what you just said about pride, it's like. I'm starting to see it now with Juneteenth. It's like people take these days that are meant for a specific community and now everybody wants to join in on them. I literally just saw a TikTok earlier where this girl was talking about at her school. And this is a black uh, lady, I think, that was running the school. But she was like, oh, Juneteenth is like a diversity day. And it's like, bitch, what? Girl, what? But it's not. not. It absolutely is not. not. It wasn't no diversity shit going on when the slaves was out here breaking their necks, trying to get about the fucking (laughs) chain. So what? No. (laughs) No. So it just makes me think about that. Just like with Pride, people are out here at Stonewall going hard and everybody wants to claim this day. And it's like, you can't have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can all celebrate, but it's like, it's not your day. Right. So as an independent reigning queen of the underground, what are your thoughts about the mainstream music industry in terms of it shifting and becoming more inclusive for Black queer folks as a whole, but more specifically non-binary and trans people? Um, The lovely thing about being an independent artist is that you get to say whatever you want and you are the only one responsible. (laughs) Um, I think from the outside looking in, there looks as if there is a lot of progression within the queer sphere of, of artists. But when you really break it down, there's not. Um, if you can still, on one hand, name the amount of artists that are in the mainstream in a genre, we haven't made that much success. Because, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's no shade to her because she hustling through her thing. But, like, 
Big Frida don't need no more checks from no more companies. Maybe. It's Frida, Santana, <laughs> or Little Nas X, which is what we see a lot of representation. But I think when you get into the art scene, especially in Baltimore, the art scene in Baltimore was built by queer people. So you really mm. see like queerness and queer art when I was coming up at like a very high level. So when you look at the mainstream, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily reflective of what is going on in our actual communities and our actual spaces. And when you get into the aspect of it, you understand it's more of a business than anything. It's mm -hmm. a business transaction. It is, it's just people are moving in a way under this guise of inclusivity, but I can speak for myself when I say when I see a lot of queer artists, I don't see reality reflected. Um, mm. And I just don't see, I don't want to necessarily say authenticity, but I think there's still like a lot of layers that people have to work through. Even like Lakia, who is like authentic to herself and she has a girlfriend and she is very open about her mm. girlfriend on her TikTok mm -hmm. and social media. But when she makes music, obviously she knows she is straddling a certain line if she only talks about women or if she doesn't like yeah. make songs or lines about men so it's like I don't know I, yeah. I think it's like a, a gamble with, but that's with anything when you get into the mainstream because at that point it is a business so yeah. it loses a certain rawness of the art I guess so yeah. I don't know I I I have interesting feelings, um, but that's just because, like, I'm an art nerd <laughs> and I'm very bougie about art. So I just don't feel like people who are in the actual, like, art communities are reflected in the mainstream. Yeah, a lot of them are consumers. Very much that. Very much consumers, but also in general with the mainstream, like you said, everything gets super watered down. But then it's like the people that are there that maybe are like bubbling under a little bit. It's like clearly people fuck with them. Mm -hmm. So if people just put the money into them, then that could become the mainstream. And then you think about all of the like quasi closeted people that came before us. Like if you think about not to pull anybody's cards, but you think about the Missies, the Queen Latifahs, the Diddies, you know, all the different and even the princes and the Michael Jackson. Allegedly. Okay, the alleged. <laughs> it's like all these queer folks, the brat that, you know, existed in hip hop already. And I'm sure there's, you know, many, many more. And it's like they were out here making music that everybody could fuck with and most queer people do the same. So just give them a shot. I, I just don't understand. It's I mean, I get it. I know it's a business and everybody wants to push their agenda and what they want, but it's just like, nah, like let that shit come in because it, it could completely just change the landscape. It does. And it gets, the, the industry has become very oversaturated, um, but also you yeah. have a lot of people who don't want to mm -hmm. do any work. So where you used to have yeah. the A&Rs who used to go and find talent, like now it's easier because like T, I've been in conversations with people to work with other artists, but it's never like, mm -hmm. we'll put money into you. It's, we recognize you have talent. Can you come help us do this thing with this artist? So you'll see a lot of yeah, people behind yeah. the scenes in writing rooms are like stylists and everything else out of the view um, producing, yeah. but they don't want to put the money in because they haven't seen the return on investment yet because nobody has mm -hmm. properly taken the time to invest in artists and, and just let them build. But that also comes with the change of the world and how social media determines who stars are. And now when it comes to music, it's not about lyricism. 
It's not about mm -mm. the message of the music. It's about your popularity. So people care about more yeah. what you yeah. look like. And then the music is the afterthought more than it being mm -hmm. the music that leads the thing. So it is a shift and there has been no update in like how the music industry works. So really they're letting, as bad as it sounds, they're letting the consumer run the decisions. But at the same time, when you get into a lot of marketing rooms, all the people in marketing say the consumer doesn't know what they want. We're telling the consumer what they want. So it's really just like a lost circle of letting people who don't know what they want tell you what they want. So nobody really knows. So like going back to trans and non-binary folk in the industry, we definitely haven't seen that yet. Um, but what we do see, like you already mentioned some of the artists that already kind of exist in that space, the three artists, because it really is like three. Um, <laughs> do you feel like they should be doing a better job of bringing up other people? Like a lot of times we see with like the rap girls, um, in hip hop, they're kind of like shedding the light on the other artists that maybe aren't at their level yet. Do you feel like that's something that like Lil Nas X's and the Santana should be doing? And then as far as a second part to that is like, do you feel like even with them existing, that makes the industry a little bit safer for us or for queer people? Or do you think that it's like, it's still a lot of bullshit going on and there's still a lot of work that needs to, um, to be done? To, so to the first part, a while ago, I would have said yes. Um, but like, just as you live life in general, you realize that like, like you can't expect all like trans people or all women or all black people to be like carrying the flag. There's a lot of us who is mm -hmm. like, I'm gonna look out, I'm gonna show love. Um, I'm gonna do this because that's what I'm in it for. And then you have a lot mm -hmm. of people who are just like, look, I'm trying to make my money. I'm trying to change my life. I'm trying to take care of my family and make sure that I live good. So I used to think that it was like everybody's responsibility to look out for everybody that they represent. But I just think that that's not the reality of what we are anymore. Um, like just as a society, people are very like focused on what they have going on, where they're going, how they're moving. And I think it just really, it depends. I think when you have artists who have actual friendships you see that more where it's like, okay, I'm gonna bring this person up. Cause it's like how city girls show Santana love. But if Santana don't mm -hmm. know any other like queer rappers personally, queer artists. he might not bring them out. But also with how everything is now, where are you finding these people? Because when I was coming up, everybody was central to clubs. Like you knew the clubs, you mm -hmm. knew the promoters, and you know the DJs of where you needed to go to get on. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of like, we don't care if you don't have a following. But also mm -hmm. there's not a huge structure for a lot of artists coming up now to gain a following outside of TikTok. And then when you go into algorithms and everything else, artists don't have budgets or maybe they're at a part, a point where they're just starting in the career and the quality isn't there and they don't have like mm -hmm. anybody looking out for them. It's a lot that goes into it. So I think at where we are in, in life right now, everybody is just trying to focus and get through life for themselves. So a lot of that community aspect is lost, but also just like the queer community in general is a lot different. Like I said, I came up in, in Baltimore in the paradox 
And we Ooh, was- Oh, I miss Paradox. Like, we was 15, 16, 17, going in there. Too damn young. <laughs> and we wasn't supposed to be in there. At all. But the elders knew that the queer kids ain't have nowhere else to go. So it was like, we'd rather mm-hmm. y'all be in here than be outside yeah. getting in trouble. Yes. But that's not yes. that's not the reality anymore. So I think it's just, again, life changes so much. A lot of people are so focused on what they're doing. Their goal isn't really to like make sure everybody else is good. They just trying to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And I can't fault anybody for that. That's true. That's true. I do feel like though, because we live in like, the social media space, mm-hmm. people see mm-hmm. people. So it's like, if you oh, see definitely. someone, even if they don't have uh yeah, it's like you see the talent you see, even if it's just a quick little like or retweet on Twitter <laughs> or just sharing something or just co-signing something. I feel like that's important. Ego goes into that though. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. I've had people tell me behind closed doors, I'm talented. Like, Oh, you're talented. Like to my face, you're really talented. I'm not going to tell anybody that because you're going to jeopardize my money, but you're really talented. Same. Yeah, and that's 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 some people's reality. And unfortunately, that's the truth. It's not mine. But like to have people tell you it's 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 a reality check because you know when you're mm-hmm. when you come from a place of it's like I know that can't nobody take away what's meant for me. So I can mm-hmm. show love to somebody else who has talent. That's not going to interrupt my money. That's not going to interrupt my nice. my projection at all. But everybody don't have that mindset, and it is sad to see. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you see me as a threat. That's weird, but mm-hmm. get at how you live. <laughs> yes. Okay. I relate to Thanks. that. And, like, yes. with the social media and community aspect, people feel like that just because y'all follow each other that it can't replace, like, actual community outside of that mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. and like it's a community but like there it's just so many different things and nuances that go for that so and yeah. that is definitely that's true and that's something I'm getting to a point now like I've been in Baltimore for eight years so I've been consistently in this scene for eight years and I feel like now mm-hmm. I'm getting to a spot where it's like where I am is when I came into the city, that was the TT, the artist, the Abdulalis, the DDMs. Like, yeah. So now I'm in that position. And then sometimes it gets overwhelming because there are people who try to have relationships with me only to advance themselves. Mm-hmm. So then you have to mm. have that, that discernment to be like, okay, what is it that you want from me? And like I said, I'm not a hater. So you send me some stuff. I like it. I'm going to retweet it. I'll say like, hey, check this out. But I think it's also a reality check for artists to know that like one person can't change your life. Just because I like mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that somebody else is going to like right. it. And just because people listen to me about where to go to party or what DJs are cool doesn't mean they're going to listen to me for my musical recommendations. But mm-hmm. I think when people see you as an entity, they just place all pressure on you Man. and they forget that like mm. humanity aspect yes. of it. That's a good ass way to look at they it. They don't remember that. Yeah. I can't I can't change anybody's life. Like all I can do is be right, like right, right. I support you, I show you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's facts. But also the support I think is sometimes that's all you need. Mm-hmm. It's like if you like we going back to community, it's like 
as long as you feel supported, that's enough to keep someone going and to keep, but then it's also like, you got to have that own affirmation for yourself mm-hmm. as an artist to be like, hell, I'm going to keep going regardless. But it is nice to have that support, I think. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yes, Black girl. What are some red flags you've noticed in spaces where you realize you didn't feel safe and accepted? And how did you adapt to that? If, or if, did you attempt to adapt? Um, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little spoiled. Um, I shouldn't say spoiled. I guess I should say blessed yes. in a sense, because my hope. Because again, I've built everything for myself. I've been able to set a standard that I can live to. Mm-hmm. So my standard has always been: watch what you do and watch what you say. Because I ain't got no problem letting somebody know. Period. So, like, mm-hmm. around me, <laughs> a lot of craziness doesn't tend to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first started and before there really was, like, a heavy, heavy, like, specifically queer scene and I was in a lot of, like, straight male-dominated spaces, I just, like, sensed the energy and watched the, like, I don't know, you you pick up on, like, predatory behavior that people have. Mm-hmm. And that's predatory and, like, trying to like talk to people or just being up on people or like predatory in business. Like, Oh, I only want to be seen with you. Cause I understand that that's a good look for me. So really the way that I uh, like establish a boundary is I just stay to myself. Um, and I stay mm-hmm. with the family that I've created because the people who are around me, it all happened organically. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. and it's just, you, I don't know, you come to learn like buzzwords or just like, I trust my intuition. So I've always been lucky to just get like a feeling about people. And I have a very strong mm-hmm. gift of discernment. And I just, you know, I don't know what it is, but. Something about the spirit ain't hitting from me. Yes. Something about it, something about it. So I've been, mm-hmm. I've been blessed enough, at least professionally, to be able to not have to go through too much because. I can spot it early and just go my way and just be to the left of it. Shout out to discernment. Mm -hmm. A true blessing. You gotta trust that intuition. That's something that you really do have to practice because a lot of us, I know for me, I definitely don't always listen to mine and it's like, she be trying to tell me. She be like, Mm -hmm. look now. Discernment and boundaries. Yes. Two amazing things. Yes. Mm, gotta learn to listen to it and to trust it so how do you feel about children coming out as trans or non-binary at a very young age it gets so sticky I feel like because when you talk about kids people get very protective as they should be right so mm-hmm. it's like when you see somebody's child doing something they ain't supposed to do on the playground, you be like, oh, look at that child. They about to roll down that slide. But I ain't going to say them because that's not my key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my child. But <laughs> when it comes to like gender and identity, people seem that mm-hmm. they want to co-parent or they want a community parent or they want to have a conversation about what they would or wouldn't allow their child to do. Um, and a lot of times it's because people are ignorant to a lot of the facts or a lot of the statistics and just like statistically queer kids have a very high rate of taking their own lives, attempting to take their own lives, Mm -hmm. going down paths of like addiction and, and other things. And 
a lot of it stems from people not accepting who they are or not having the resources. Mm -hmm. Um, I think kids know who they are. There's, there is this delusion that kids have no idea Mm -hmm. what they're talking about. You can you know yourself know, the best at that time. And, and, and the thing about knowing yourself the best at that time is you don't have social cues yet. Yes. So you don't know mm-hmm. what's appropriate to say and what's not appropriate to say. So when you're like, look, this is mm-hmm. me, like, this is who I am. And you see a kid like crying out to be accepted and to be guided. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people just feel pressure of what other people are going to think. Um, how other mm-hmm. people are going to feel and that tends to take them over. I know even with me, like I have a family who is very like loving and accepting, but when I started to step into who I was, they cared a lot about how people in our community viewed them because of who I was. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just you, your child knows who they are. People know who their children are. And as long as okay. they're not doing anything that is harmful to a child, um, kids know who they are. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know that they get a lot of pushback from adults because it challenges what they've known or what they've always known or what they were taught. Mm. So, you know, I always talk about like, are my thoughts actually my own? Did I learn this? Where did I pick this up from? So I question everything. Mm. And that is a good yeah. way to check in. I even do that for myself. Like, why do I feel this way? Like, do I feel this way because somebody else's opinion is like saying this or do I feel this way because this is how I feel? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. an important question that I don't think people ask themselves enough. No, thanks. Yeah. It's a lot to think about. So, (laughs) when did you know that you were queer? Well, this kind of, yes, ties into this, the last question. I'm, it's interesting for me because I always knew, mm-hmm. but as a kid, again, having like a strong gift of discernment or just recognizing what's going on around you, I always knew, but I always saw that it made my family uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So it was like I mm-hmm. knew and I would push it to the limit I the best I could to like keep everybody comfortable. So it was like, okay, yeah, I'm queer, but like where we grew up, it was still... And Kiara knows it was like, I'd be ready to fight at the drop of a dime. Like we ready to go at all times because it was like, I still had to be like aggressive or I still had to like have some type of masculine presentation or I could have a full face of makeup. And as long as I had a beard, like it was cool for people. Um, mm-hmm. so it was like, I always knew, but I robbed myself of a lot of years because I wanted to make everybody else comfortable. But I've known Thanks. since I was a child. Mm-hmm. I was asking for an Easy Bake Oven for Christmas since I was like five. I ain't never get it. <laughs> but I, I knew. I wanted oh, my little Easy Bake Oven. get one. Yeah. You gotta get one, yes. I'm gonna get one. For your Just inner like child. Me, and my, me and my Hot Wheels set. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Definitely that. Oh, I love that. But not facts. And it's like, I can see it now. And I think we've had this conversation too. Is like, because when I met you, you were very much in that space where you were visibly queer, but you were still like masculine presenting and still kind of just teetering those lines and people having their own little like outside thoughts or whatever. So to see you now in existing the way that you are, it's like, 
Oh my God, like this is so beautiful. And I do, I wish you could have gotten to it sooner, but it, it came on time. It, did. it, it happened when it was supposed to. And now it's like, I feel like sometimes, and again, it goes back to like what you're willing to do, but I sometimes feel like I have a responsibility. Like when I look at like my younger cousins or just kids that I see and they're not able to like be themselves, having those like side conversations to like encourage them and be the, the person that I either didn't have or I know other people didn't have growing up. Cause a lot of people didn't have like an uncle or auntie that was like riding with them. You know, it's like, nah, just be yourself. Cause sometimes these parents, you know, they be unintentionally. It's, it's just like, I think yes. people so get so caught up in everyday life like Ray was saying like they regurgitate things that they don't even believe but because it's mm. the belief of so many people around them it's just regurgitated mm. and then yep. kids hear that and kids internalize that it's and it, yeah. it just I mean they didn't ask to be here so at least right. give them the opportunity right. to make their own decisions and their own mistakes without that being mm -hmm. forced upon them mm -hmm. so that ties into like people actually seeing kids as their own human beings and ha them having yes. autonomy over themselves and believing or knowing that they do deserve to have boundaries. They do. Even the smallest things, like I'll call my nieces and my youngest niece is me to a T. That is a copy and paste <laughs> of me. And sometimes when I call her, she doesn't want to talk to me. And I tell my brother, like, it's fine. She don't have to talk to me. Yeah. She ain't feeling it. She ain't feeling it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's fine. Yep. It's like, mm -hmm. that's how she feel. I don't know. I feel like that's such a hard thing for people to grasp. And I think because a lot of us didn't have the, the autonomy of our own bodies as children, it's like, how dare you think mm -hmm. that you have the right to, to say this and do this? It's like, just because you didn't do it doesn't mean that you have to project those same things onto mm -hmm. your kids. It also comes back into like, again, that thought process of people around you because it's like, so many people could benefit from soft parenting, but like because soft parenting is under the guise of like white parenting or letting ch kids like act however they want. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. I was told I ain't finna talk to no adult crazy, so you're not finna talk to me crazy. And the baby telling you that they don't want a hot dog is not talking <laughs> crazy. They just telling you they don't want a hot dog. Like I just man, oh my god, don't under. It's never that deep. It's never that deep. Listen, uh, it ain't man. never. They just be so mad that they're not doing exactly what they tell mm -hmm. them to do, and I'm like, this is so crazy. Crazy. It ain't never been that serious. Mm -hmm. And I remember. Um, it's actually the cousin that I'm about to talk about. Today's her birthday. I think she's six or seven and I was at her Aww. house I think it was her birthday last year two years ago and her mom was making her a plate of food and she was like I don't want beans I don't like beans and then her mom was like you gonna eat these motherfucking beans and I was just like what? she don't want <laughs> don't want the beans and not her forcing the beans down that baby throat and Absolutely I stood there nice. like are you serious she she don't like beans. You're going to make her vomit the fucking beans up? Like, she's going to be gagging the whole time? Or just, like, then that just comes into a different problem of, like, all right, now we button heads. Because when it comes down to it, just in general, with so much in life, people want control over others. Mm -hmm. And I think that people mm -hmm. want control over others because they don't feel control over themselves. Yes. So it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I have to be responsible for my actions, and I'm not ready for that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to control everything that you do because that makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And it's like, babe, go play The Sims. Mm -hmm. Like, if you want to control the whole thing, go play The Sims. <laughs> okay, go play God over there. Don't have a child. Hey. 
I was just playing The Sims last night. That is so funny. <laughs> yes, black girl. So <laughs> the last question is, uh, do you have a philosophy about your work? Ooh, um, I don't know if I have a philosophy. I guess my philosophy is like, be true to like who I am always. And um, I think, not that I'm Beyonce, but I think that that's what's kept me alive even in Baltimore for so long because I've never followed the trends. It's like when I don't feel like making music, I don't make music. When I mm-hmm. feel like making club music, I'm gonna make club music. If I wanna make some heartfelt stuff, I'm gonna make that. Like, I think just because music for me has always been so spiritual because it's the one thing in my life for such a long time I felt like I had control over. Like when everybody mm. else could tell me how I could dress or what I could do or what, nobody could tell me what music I could make or what I could write about mm-hmm. or how I could present it. So music to me is very spiritual and very intimate and very personal. Um, So I just make sure that with my art, I always honor myself because sometimes it doesn't even necessarily have to be in the same exact sense. Like I could inspire somebody who doesn't look anything like me, but just seeing somebody doing what they want, how they want can inspire people. So I just made it a point to myself to just always fully and authentically show up and be true to who I am and honor that in my art. Beautiful. Love that for you. What a great closing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes, Black girl. All right, y'all. Let's get into when you know better, you do better. Man, let's get into it. (laughs) The topic for today is edibles, drugs, and alcohol. That liquor. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I will start it off with a story. And Rhea was there. Was I okay? there? And she dragged me there. <laughs> you were there. And then she dragged me to this event. It was a taco and tequila night at somebody house shop. Lindsay, my girl Lindsay. Shout out Lindsay. Hey, Lindsay, Lindsay friends. Girl. I only met her once, so. But it was cute, you know. They had the tacos out there. We were eating tacos, taking jello shots of tequila, taking regular shots. They were jello shots. Shit got kind of crazy. I remember there being jello shots, and that's what got me. And next thing I know, (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) shit was not cute. Um, we almost got into a situation with this oh, guy. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, okay. Oh, my God. That was so crazy. <laughs> yes. And so I was like, nah, we going home. <laughs> so I called an Uber. We got in the Uber child. I vomited on the side <laughs> of the road. The Uber driver had napkins. Shout mm-hmm. out to him. Because I know he was like, this bitch better not throw up in my fucking car. But, oh you know, God. he pulled over I forgot about me. that man. <gasps> and I threw up that next day, whole day, I'm woozy. Just Girl, I had a done. hangover. Like, I'm so mad. And I remember, because this is when I used to uh, mess with this other dude. And we went to his apartment because we was both li- was living in a uh, Bowie place at the time. And so I remember being like, yeah, I haven't been feeling good all day because I was about to tell him the story. And they was like, it's not mine. I was like, ah! I'm not pregnant. <laughs> I'm literally sick. I, well, first of all, how, how I ain't never heard this story? I could have sworn I 
told you about this. I feel like I vaguely remember they're pulling over to throw up. I feel like I do vaguely remember that. But it was a time. It was a time to be had. Oh, my God. Now that I think about it, that was crazy. (laughs) It was very, very crazy. It was about to be some shit going down. Yeah. Um, And I was like, nah, we're not doing this tonight, child. Mm -hmm. So somehow I had enough strength to get out of there, but... Not enough strength not to vomit. I don't remember how we got out. I just remember being in an Uber. You was definitely, you was also gone, but for some reason I was the sick one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Um, That was before tequila became my preferred choice also, because I used to be a dark liquor drinker or a wine drinker. Same. Oh, yeah, because we we were playing games and we were like looking at different tequila bottles and talking about them yeah it's all coming back to me that's crazy it was too much happening that night was a blur (laughs) for me i'm not gonna hold you i have points that i remember and then the rest of it's Mm -hmm. like uh um and then my second story is i'm used to like taking edibles and stuff in the house but i was out in public at this like black girl cookout and this lady was selling edibles she had gummies and on the bag it says 600 milligrams so i'm thinking oh you know, probably the whole bag is 600. Her? Right? Each individual gummy. Yes. So I took the whole thing. I don't know if I took one or two, but I, it hit me. Like I ate my food. Next thing I know, I was gone. I'm literally sitting there like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm high as fuck. And you know, you high as fuck when your breathing has to go into like manual mode, bitch. And I'm just like, oh my God, I got to get the fuck out of here. I'm looking around at everybody. I'm, my anxiety is at an all-time high. And I remember like some of my friends ended up going somewhere else later. The rest of us went home. And I just remember like being in the Uber, cheesing, <laughs> got home, laid on the couch. And I'm just laying there. And I remember Warren got home and was like, what's going on? I was like, I'm so high. And I was just laid out on a couch, just dead. Like, that shit was crazy. Never again will I take that high of a dose in public. I always get super anxious and uncomfortable and be thinking, like, the Mm -hmm. worst things. And it's just not fun. Like, you really got to have a little bit more, going back to the word, discernment. You got to know what you can handle. And when you're out in public, that ain't it. It's (laughs) real different. (laughs) Yes. So for Ooh. me, this it's always tequila. I love tequila, but like, I've, you know, I've had a few moments. Um, the tequila in Mexico is so much stronger. It's very smooth. It tastes very good, but it's so much more potent. And mm-hmm. we went to this beach party and we got there late. Um, and they only had like desserts and like something, some other finger food. Left. Oh no, it was beef skewers. I remember they were so good. And I had like some little chocolate pastries or something. Clearly not enough food. And we we had been taking shots mm-hmm. in the hotel before we got to the party. So I was already Ooh. messed up walking in. And then I was with Sabina. And no, actually, I left out with her brother first. And then we went to the beach and we saw her parents coming back. And I was like, oh, my God, because they don't like they don't like when Ooh. we drink. Even though we're, you know, that whole I'm thing. grown. Yeah. Um, and I was I was already yes. messed up. So I was like, I hope I don't look messed up. Because we had to talk to them. And they were, luckily they were on the way out. So we get to the beach party. We see that there's little food. But the, the bar was flowing. They had endless margaritas. And like every time I looked up, there was a new margarita. So 
I I don't know how many margaritas I had. I just remember looking at my Snapchat stories and I was like, help me. <laughs> and then I remember the next thing I remember, we went to the bathroom and then we were on the, uh, the resort carts to take us back to our rooms. And you know, mm-hmm. when you, when you lit and the breeze is just flowing through your face, I was just like, yes. Yes. And nobody else remembers anything after that. But when I drink, I become the mom. So I'm I feel like I'm mm. still kind of aware of things. So I'm the only one who remembers that now. Like I was helping people getting water and I was tucking people in the bed, you know, people had thrown up. So and I, mm. I didn't clean that up. I don't I don't clean up girl. But yeah. Oof, yeah, I was like, problem, I, I got yeah. you on the water, snacks and everything. You know, I still I, You gonna have to get that in the morning. Mm-hmm, which they did. You know, I took a shower. I still, I cleaned up whatever I needed to clean up, washed my face. Like, I still do mm-hmm. my night routine, even if I'm, even if I can't really see. So the next yeah. story, I was at Kennedy Center with my ex. We went to a show. We saw uh, Slum Village, Michelle and Deggio Cello and Robert Glasper. Mm. That show amazing yes that's a good and most deaf was supposed to come but it was like a residency he was doing but he canceled of course the day of that he was i was supposed to see him and i feel like that happens every time i try to see him but anyway um so i wanted a tequila and cranberry the bartender gives him sprite and gin and i i had another drink too but the drinks were like this big so maybe like 12 ounces and she was real Ooh, heavy with the liquor yeah. a lot of gin. she was heavy with the liquor so we split the gin mm-hmm. and everything is just wavy like and it all hit me when michelle came on stage i didn't know what she was singing about i didn't i don't remember what she was saying she was talking to us i have no recollection <laughs> but i was feeling good mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah and then i don't remember how we got home I, I know we wow. went to 8th Street and went to um, this dumpling spot, and I got some dumplings. It's one of my favorite restaurants. And I know I threw up at in front of a 7-Eleven, and this one man was outside. That's so specific. <laughs> this one man was outside. He was like, let it out, baby. I know. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm so embarrassed. There's always the worst when a stranger co-sign. Like, all you have to do is act like you don't see this happening. And I think it, I think it was a few of them in front of the 7-Eleven. If you in D.C. and you've been to Eastern Market, it's that 7-Eleven. So it's always people mm-hmm. outside in front of it. Um, yeah, I don't remember how we got home. I didn't even end up eating the dumplings. I threw up a couple times, and then I went to bed. Another, another time mm-hmm. with red wine and tequila. Okay. Um, That's a terrible. Uh, whose idea was that? We always had wine in the house, and somebody bought tequila. I don't. Yeah. Uh, no, we took tequila shots, but oh, I had already cool. been drinking some red wine. And that mm. day, we were doing like this is when I was uh, doing my internship, and I was living in DC, mm. and we had like a intern house, so we had intern ups. And we got we got Ann Pizza because Ann Pizza was down the street, and this was during this was during the shutdown. So like they had all these types of deals for pizza and stuff. So we was getting everything for the cheap, and you know we was taking shots. And I had my mistake was that I just ate the pizza and then I just immediately started drinking. So I was only 
there for like an hour. And then I felt that I had to throw up. And I was like, I'm going to go to my room and throw up. And nobody, well, so when I get lit, when I'm drinking, nobody can really tell like what level I'm on, mm-hmm. which is kind of scary. But, Very much given yes. poker face. And people were mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't realize she was that messed up. And I was like, yeah, girl, I, I blacked out on my bathroom floor. <laughs> I threw up. I woke up. It was four in the morning. Everybody had went mm. to the rooftop to like look at the stars and stuff. We would stargaze and stuff. And yes, you missed I missed it. everything. <laughs> Such a Libra. Just nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Me on the other hand, I'd be gone cheesing. Everybody be knowing mm-hmm. when the fuck I'm fucked up. Okay. That's because and when you I- get tired and when you get messed up, it's like the more you get, the goofier you yes. get. So it's like it's easy <laughs> to tell with you. And that was, okay, and also you can black out real, real quick. I was Go just ahead, about to say that was you with tacos and tequila. <laughs> yep, yep, real good. You can start to say because we having things that you start to say, and I'll be like, "Here she go." And you can uh-huh. talk about the type of questions you asking. I'm like, "Here she go." And then she starts talking like this, and she be leaning into you, and ooh, she just be cheating. <laughs> yeah, I be like, "Girl, go ahead, go over there." <laughs> Listen, don't be mad at me because I'm out here spreading yeah, the love. Spreading hmm, do I want to talk about this next one? I don't know. Go ahead, throw it in. Okay, so me and Chloe, we we microdosed. No, it was not microdosed. Um, but I had forgot that I had a virtual stage managing gig. And you know, with right. I remember mm-hmm. this. And we, we were going to go skating. This. Like, it was a whole thing. We was ready to go. We were at the gas station. Luckily, she lives literally right across from the gas station. So it hits me. And I'm like, ooh, feeling good. And then I get an email saying that, like, oh, Zoom call. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I was in charge of, like, everything. So that's when you stage manage, you are responsible for keeping everything together for the play or whatever. And luckily, it was virtual. But... With that, everybody's faces were melting on the screen. And I I don't know what I was saying. Apparently, I did the job. <laughs> I got the job done because we had a break in between the uh, tech rehearsals. Yes, the tech rehearsals. And I got it. I got my days confused. So I'm thinking we had a day off. And yeah, they hit. And yeah, no, it, it wasn't good. I don't know how many of And then. How long did it take? Uh, I don't know. We were there. We were in her apartment for a couple hours. I think the rehearsal was only like an hour or two. So it wasn't that long, but it felt like forever. And then I know with that, you have to make sure your space is good and like you you have to prepare. So I'm thinking we was going to be outside all day. So I was mentally prepared to be outside, like be in nature. We were in her apartment and... At the time, she needed to just clean up some stuff. So, like, when i around mess, I get really anxious. It's a lot of energy and stuff, you know. And then her Wi-Fi was being kind of shaky. So, I'm stressing out. I'm like, the Wi-Fi's not working. I'm stressed. I, I forgot this call. And then, you know, I don't think people knew, but I talked to the whatever my point of contact was. I think she was, like, the actual stage manager. But I was doing her job because she had like some other stuff to do and I told her I was like yeah I just got my days mixed up meanwhile I'm having a whole breakdown on the inside 
Yeah. And then hers hers hit not too long after we got back to the apartment. So, like, luckily, she, we were not driving because, you know, you're not supposed to be driving. Right. right. And yeah. you'll be completely mm-hmm. impaired. Yes. Yep. The lesson in all of this, y'all, is use drugs responsibly. When you know better, you do better. It's okay to do drugs, but just be responsible when you're doing them. Think about your environment. What you got to do for the day? Don't take a, a big-ass dose of an edible or anything and then go to work. Liquor, it's a little easier depending mm-hmm. on what you're drinking, but still. You know, don't you play with plant medicine. I'm not doing it at work. I was going to say, please don't go to work drunk. What was that lady from Acme that used to... Uh, I'm not going to put it in there, but it was a lady that used to work at Acme and she always came to work with liquor up in her coffee. That black lady. The black lady. <laughs> mm, We're going to talk after this. Yes, listen. listen, I know her. Her ass stayed lit. She, okay. she was. Yes, black girl. All right, y'all. So that's a wrap. We hope that you all felt seen today or at least learned a little something, something. Kai, we thank you so much for joining us. Please let the people know what you're working on currently and what's up next for you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm getting prepared for the end of June. Um, I am DJing the rest of the month. So I'm DJing a uh, event, closing out event at BNO Railroad Museum. I'll be holding down main stage Pride in Baltimore and opening for, I think I'm either opening for Remy or K. Michelle, one of Ooh. the, whoever at, on, on my stage that day. I'm conceited. I got a reason. <laughs> It's gonna be cute, okay. and then I got a I got an album coming later in the year, so keep your ears open for that. And I'm on everything mm-hmm. in chaotic tour because you know I'm an old bitch, and we believe in one <laughs> one name on all platforms. Period. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna say this: don't play with the plant medicine because it will play with you. Um, we'll be back again soon. Until then, be sure to subscribe to our audio podcast. Yes, Black Girl on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can literally just put us in Google and we will pop up. Do your Google, do your research. We are here. You will find us. So please rate us and leave a review too. And follow us on Instagram at Yes, Black Girl Series. That's Y A S, Black Girl Series. And follow Kiara and I at The Only Raya and Unique Genre on Instagram as well. All information can be found in the show notes. So until next time.